Robots Radio presents... Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search. Focus that fire! And so we come together! Welcome to Focused Fire Chat! Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on November 7th, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash As always, I want to give a big shout-out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again, albeit a little bit later than our normal Friday evening. We appreciate your guys' flexibility. This week's episodes are going to be focused around exploring the animated series JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. This particular episode will serve as what we have come called the intro session of the week's exploration. Fair warning, both of these sessions will probably be more intro level because Green and I are not super well versed. I Green is the resident expert in anime as she <laughs> For those you on the can't podcast. Hear this on the podcast. <laughs> but I am shaking my like my experience with anime is Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z. Did you, you got Utna in there? Utna? Come on. You got to have some of the weird no. ones in there. Oh man, that's no. I mean, you're, you're if saving you count your Ruby as one, I've I've seen Ruby. Yeah, Ruby is it is animated. It's Western anime, yeah. though. <laughs> it's in the same boat as Avatar, really. That's fair. Also, haven't seen Avatar. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Pens. I actually already have access to your Funimation account. Blue has been forcing me to watch Wolf's Rain. I'm making her watch Wolf's Rain. Uh, he should be making her watch Avatar. That that's almost a requirement at the twenty. Avatar century. Avatar is actually I will give you I, Avatar. It's a slow burn. Like you have, to, it takes a while to get into it. But once you do get into it, it's a pretty good, pretty good arc. I I mean I guess I've seen a few episodes of Avatar, but it's I, I mean they got you, you, to you have to you have to get vendors. Yeah, and then you, I was until like, you eh. get to Toph, it's like it's like eh. As soon as they get to Toph, though, that's that's where the the gas gets poured on the fire because it gets entered. She's just she's the best ever. Uh, so, anyways, obviously you could hear it's Green and I. We also have on the show our guest co-host and really honestly the person who you're probably going to hear a lot of for these episodes, Neo Mad Dog. Neo, how are you doing? Oh. You're introducing me instead yes. of ignoring me. You choose to introduce me. Yes. And ask me how I'm doing. Yes, I'm doing great. I was trying to do it. I was trying to do a meme. The oh, you're approaching me, but it's oh, you're, oh, you're introducing me. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. It's like you're a guest. Of course, we introduce you. I've already talked. They you know I'm here. Yeah, but they don't know your name, Neo, not Matrixy. I'm yeah. the different one. Well, you know, as as usual with like the intro sessions, you know, let's let's uh I want to shift actually back over to you Neo and kind of give 
everyone a little bit of idea of your history with like how did how okay how did you get into jojo because it is not not to play off the title but it is a bizarre anime like yeah it's a bizarre adventure of an Um, anime so back last summer summer of 2018 i was just scrolling through netflix and i saw jojo's bizarre adventure on it because i was i guess i was looking for an anime i think i might have just finished evangelion so i was like i wonder what this is this looks interesting i watched the first two episodes and then i realized so this is the show where all the memes came from (laughs) and then i was hooked I finished that. Ent- I finished the entire series, catching up with the anime in two, two, three, three months, two or three months, um, and then in November, that following November, I realized I still needed more, and so I started reading the manga. Oh jeez! Um, I am now fully caught up with the series. Uh, I have uh, the most recent chapter that just came out came out in October and I'm now waiting for chapter 102 of the new, of the, this current story arc. This okay. Month. So there's, there's 102 m- mangas, but how many, uh, uh, well, there's hundreds there. This, so the series <laughs> is divided into parts and we're currently in the eighth major story part and okay. chapter 101 of this story part was just published in October. <laughs> Green's face is the best right now ever. This, so this Manga's Green started in Manga's and continue seven, yeah. continue Right. I, under, I understand the chapter aspect of it. Like how many animated like how many episodes in the animated version cuz um, Manga's the reading version. Right. Yeah. So Right now, only up through ch- um, part five, the fifth major story arc, has been done in the anime. We're currently awaiting part six. Um, doing quick math, uh, sort of in my head, uh, parts one and two are 29 episodes total. They make up the first season. Uh, okay. Then part three is 43. Then four and five are 39 episodes each. Okay. So, so that's roughly 100 or so. Okay, so that's not nearly as bad as I was thinking, because you're like, there's a hundred and two in just this arc, and it's like, oh, there's one hundred two that- chapters that are about thirty to forty pages each. Man, Roughly. okay, you, you binge watching? How long are each episode? Like, uh, they're about twenty, yeah, they're right. twenty to twenty five minutes. They each. weren't bad at all. They were packed. Like, there's a lot that happens in them, but like, it, it is a shonen battle series. Yeah, it, it's 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 got a lot going on, but it's not That's it's not terrible. Thing I noticed with some of the more popular animes is that they pack in like it's there's not long scenes in any of them. They're just bam, bam, well, bam, bam. That's bam. that's. Re- JoJo's has the longest five minutes in <laughs> five minutes, making thirty minutes of content. Oh, One five minute battle with some time stops is around, you know, two or three episodes of actual television. Okay. So a little bit of DBZ style of powering up for two two or three episodes before you finally make the shot. Mm, Kind of. It's what's nice is that it's not, it's not like Goku shouting. It's not Mm -hmm. the characters just shouting at each other. They, there is quite a bit of strategy involved with the series, which is something that I really like is that every fight is too, or more people trying to outwit the other and exploit the other's weakness. Uh, yeah, it's, actually, it's, it's a, it, everybody's playing forty chess. Yeah, it it actually like in the because I've only I've I'll be completely transparent. I've only watched the first three episodes so far, 
and um so they've really introduced really two characters i think it's jonathan and then uh, is a dio i think yes. is the so and both of them have i mean exactly that it's it's actually really enjoyable because the entire time i mean it's a little corny i, I mean to be fair but but like the way that they present both characters it's it's much more depth than just like oh i'm just gonna do like one punch you um it's more of like definitely more the strategy of they're trying to manipulate each other in more ways than just physical okay okay so what jojo's is really about it's while yes jonathan joestar does have the nickname jojo and people call him that jojo is more of a nickname that's given to a variety of characters um, it's the story of a family, really, the Joestar lineage, and each story, every part, I'm just going to call them parts, uh, features a different member of the family as the protagonist, <laughs> and they're each addressed as Jojo at least once. At least they, you can see like, oh, and every, because their name can be derived as such, um, so it's, which each one is, so there's Phantom Blood. That is set in England in 1888, for the most part. Uh, that is Jonathan Joestar fighting his adopted brother, Dio, mm-hmm. who in or very early on uses an ancient stone mask that the Joestar family had to convert him into a vampire. Uh, he rejects his humanity and, decide, and becomes power-hungry and wants to take over the planet, and Jonathan ventures off to stop him. Um, he is joined by his teacher of the ripple or hamon hamon means ripple in japanese uh, which is channeling the power of the sun through proper breathing so if you breathe correctly and you have the gift for it you can literally channel the power of the sun through your hands and so jonathan learns this in order to fight his vampire adopted brother um this is really where the kind of the story began and um Jonathan manages to lock away Dio uh, under the Atlantic Ocean for a hundred years. He's also Jonathan's also joined by a street thief he met in London named Robert E.O. Speedwagon, who is R.E.O. Speedwagon. He's literally there to explain <laughs> Speedwagon is best girl. Anybody who says it's FF is wrong. It's Speedwagon. Speedwagon. R.E.O. Speedwagon. Huh? Yes. Yes. That you're. That, that's the. That's the tip of the iceberg in these references, baby. Oh um, so part two is set in 1939 across North America and Europe. It is Jonathan's grandson, Joseph, who is a prodigy in the Ripple, and he discovers the creators of these stone masks are waking up from their slumber. Um, they're known as the Pillarmen because they like, kind of hibernate in pillars. They're like these ancient american vampire demigods okay. who are all jacked af um they're called car they're led by cars and uh, as well as acdc and wamu and um joseph uh who is some people's favorite he instead of jonathan who's kind of like a goody two-shoes uh, like mm-hmm. this very honorable man who's like always seeks to do the right thing joseph is a trickster um if you want to think of like in destiny terms like Jonathan is Zavala, Joseph <laughs> is Cade Six. Okay. <laughs> um, he's always he's always got a trick up his sleeve. At one point in his very first episode, he pulls a Tommy gun out of his very tight pants. I don't know where he hit it. <laughs> um, this guy, um, and he's joined by um, 
Jonathan's grandson, Jonathan, sorry, mm-hmm. Jonathan's mentor's grandson, Caesar Zappelli. Uh, they two, those two together, master their ability of Hamon or the Ripple <laughs> under the tutelage of the enigmatic Lisa Lisa, and in order to fight the Pillarmen to stop them from um, perfecting the Stone Mask any further. That brings us to part three, Stardust Crusaders. This is the most popular part and what pe- people might recognize. Okay. Um, in fact, the OVA from 1997 and 19, 2003 was actually adapting Stardust Crusaders. And there is actually a Capcom um, game called Heritage of the Future that came out in the late 90s um, that also featured um, primarily part three characters. Um, this is set across um, the – basically, it's a road trip from Japan to Egypt in the year of 1989. Uh, which is, has Japanese high schooler uh, Jotaro Kujo, who is the grandson of Joseph of the previous part. Okay. Uh, he acquires a stand, which is a ghostly manifestation of one's own fighting spirit. Um, I'll explain stands more likely in the advanced session, but like stands are like the basically how fights are done for the rest of the series. Okay. It's most people might recognize there's a kind of jokes like it's the work of an enemy stand mm-hmm. um, and they have just as many they, if there are thousands of different types of souls in the world there are thousands of different types of stands and how they operate makes sense can I time out real quick and yes. just catch up just slightly on the time frame that we've gone so far we've when was the first one taking place Victorian England so 1888. And then the next one's in the 1930s? 1939, right at the onset of World War II. And then now we're up at 1980s-ish. Yeah, the late 80s. This is actually around where the series was actually time period of when the, it was being published. Uh, so okay. it was basically set modern day. So we have one, two, or two of them are that are directly descendant of each other. Well, I mean, they're all descendants, but like... One, yeah. we got the next one, right? Like, yeah, Jonathan uh, is the um, progenitor. So Joseph is Jonathan's grandson, and Jodoro right. is um, Joseph's grandson. Okay, does it always travel as no, down we'll to? No, getting to that in part four. <laughs> okay. okay, just, when you, think, just when you think you got the pattern, they switch it up on you. I mean, so Jodoro has the stand Star Platinum. Um, Joseph has the stand Hermit Purple, and they team up with three other, and then later another, but other stand users of Jean-Pierre Polnareff, who is a French warrior with the knight-esque stand, knight as in like warrior, like fighter, um, Silver Chariot, uh, as well as the fortune teller from Egypt, Muhammad Avidal, with the flame pyrokinetic um, magician's red, and then other Japanese student... um, uh, Noriaki Kakuin with Hierophant Green, which really just shoots rocks out of its hands. Sweet. These these stands in Part 3 were initially named after the tar- uh, Major Arcana of a tarot deck. In fact, um, the uh, Hiroki Raki designed his own version of like the designs on the cards, which are really cool, okay. and I've actually been meaning to get a set of those because they're really pretty. Um, all the enemy stand users are named after these tarot cards, um, mm-hmm. such as you have the Tower of Grey, uh, Yellow Temperance, Justice, Judgment, so on. Okay, um, so a bit of a Jurakana yeah. feel to it. Uh, part uh, the um, they add another like ally, uh, a little um, dog about 
uh, maybe about a foot tall. I think it's like a, like a boxer or some kind. Uh, okay. really doesn't want to help at all. He has to stand the fool. Um, and then the stands after that are named after Egyptian gods. So like Geb, Horus, um, Osiris, Adam, things of that nature. And then they start getting named after pop culture references. But the reason they're going to Egypt is that Dio has returned and has awakened his own stand of the world or Zawado. And uh, he has inadvertently laid a curse on the Joestar family, and it is causing Jotaro's mother, Holly, to die. And so they're trying to go to Egypt to defeat Dio once and for all. Um, I will explain something about the fifth protagonist that is relevant to Dio in the advanced session. Anyway, part four is set in... A single small town in 1999 Japan, the town of Morio. It is based off of the author's own suburban town that he grew up in. Uh, there, It is a slice-of-life murder mystery uh, starring okay. Josuke Higashikara. He is Joseph's illegitimate son, sired when Joseph was in his 60s. Oh. Um, there's an ongoing joke that uh, Joseph can cheat on. Joseph has never found anything he can't cheat on. Uh, he's <laughs> cheated in his fights. He's cheated death. And he cheated on his wife. Um, Josuke Higashikara is a uh, 16-year-old high school student in his hometown of Morio, Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is trying to solve the mystery of why Morio has, the, has a dis- missing person's Statistic eight times higher than the average of Japan. Uh, he has a regenerative stand called Crazy Diamond, uh, so it heals things. Um, and he's joined by two of classmates, Koichi Hirose with Echoes, Okiasu Nijimura with The Hand, um, another man- manga artist named Rohan Kishibe with the mind-reading stand Heaven's Door, and Jotaro uh, from Part 3 returns with Star Platinum, and in case you're confused on the relation, Josuke is Jotaro's uncle and also 10 years younger than him. Okay. Uh, I don't want to reveal the villain because that's plot related. Sure. So let me let me slow you down just a tiny bit. So we have each story arc is a totally different story style, right? Like every yes. time they're going through this time in arc four, they're doing that murder mystery. Does everybody in the world basically have the stands or it sure feels it? like it, but no, okay. it's actually a very small population. Okay, um, everyone in the show it. has it. It, <laughs> it, it actually very, it's actually very interesting that mm-hmm. uh, why there's so many stand users in a single town. Um, okay, it's part of a thing related to fate, um, which is actually a thing in JoJo. Fate, okay, as a, like a concept, and it's in part six. It is described as the same thing as gravity. Okay, but so a pool that of actually some kind sort. of. That's an interesting theory too, because there's mul- there's multiple stories that use a similar concept to that. Mm-hmm. Part five, which is the l- most recent one to be animated as part of the anime uh, by David Productions, uh, it stopped. Uh, it, the finale for part five aired in um, August 2019. For context, mm-hmm. this stars the very mysterious teenage boy, age 15, of Giorno Giovanna. He is half British, half Japanese. This is set in 2001 Italy. Um, He has the stand Gold Experience, which um, brings things to life. And he joins the increasingly powerful crime family known as Passion, which is the passion in Italian. Mm -hmm. 
Um, he wants to defeat the boss and, and the drug trade that's ruining the, uh, hundreds of millions of – sorry, hundreds and thousands of innocent lives across Italy, especially in Naples where he grew up. Uh, he joins a small-time team of gangsters led by Bruno Bucciarati, who is the best mom. Uh, who has the stand uh, Sticky Fingers, which uses zippers to access pocket dimensions. That is amazing. I want I, that. I, okay. I want that one. <laughs> All these different stands, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, we've got the like healing one, the pocket dimension one, the what was the golden the gold one you just mentioned? Gold experience brings things to life. Bring things to life. Like so it, just like in, inanimate to- objects? Yeah, so like he, like he, at one point he turns a brick into a snake. Uh, he steals luggage by turning it into a frog. Uh, wait, 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 wait! I had to unmute for that. In the very first episode, uh, so it's introduced that Koichi from Part Four is trying to investigate who Giorno is on behalf of Jotaro, um, and so. The first thing that Giorno does upon meeting Koichi, uh, he offers himself as a taxi driver and promptly steals his luggage by turning the suitcase into a frog. Okay. Why not? <laughs> Why this not? Gets, this gets even more bizarre. Just just wait. You thought this was bizarre now. It gets even more. Oh, we're only <laughs> starting on the bizarre adventure. Uh, this, by the way, this is one of my favorite parts, part five. Uh, other gangsters include Leone Abacchio with L- Moody Blues, which can replay real-life events. Um, Narancia Girga with Aerosmith, which is literally a, like a toy plane that attacks people. Um, uh, Guido Mista with the stand Sex Pistols, which redirects his bullets. And then... Um, Panacata Fugo, who has the stand of Purple Haze, which is a flesh-eating virus. What? <laughs> they set off across Italy to defeat the boss, who no one has ever seen his face, uh, in order to um, take over the Mafia family. I feel like Jimi Hendrix might have a few things to say about the flesh-eating stand. I'll be, I'll be getting to that later. <laughs> okay. Um... Part six, which we're currently awaiting an anime adaptation, has Jotaro Kujo's daughter, Jolene Kujo. She is framed. This is oh, sorry. This is set in 2011, Florida. Um, Jolene is framed for a crime she did not commit and is sentenced to prison um, inside the Green Dolphin Street prison and uncovers a plot uh, devised by Dio's most faithful disciple, uh, Father Enrico Pucci. Um, Jolene acquires the stand stone free, uh, which can turn her body into strings. Oh, how is that useful? Uh, she can navigate. So if she extends strings from her hand, she can actually listen in on conversations in other rooms. If the string can get through, uh, these strings can also, um, like manifest as like a regular stand behind her and she does punching attacks. Um, then uh, she's at one point she can just manipulate her entire body at one point uh, in order to fight off a gravity based stand that was going to turn her inside out. She tur- she turns her body into a series of Mobius strips where inside out doesn't exist. OK, uh, she is joined by fellow inmates Ermes Castello with the stand kiss that can duplicate objects. Oh, uh, um Narkiso Anasui with the kinetic energy absorbing diver down. Um, the a amnesiac um, man named Weather Report and his stand Weather Report. 
there is a mysterious girl introduced about 30 chapters in called um, FF, uh, which stands for Foo Fighters, and her stand is Foo Fighters. Um, there's also a boy that lives in the prison, which access who with his stand burning down the house can access a ghost room from the prison that burnt down a uh, decade back. Uh, his name was Emporio Al Nino, and they have to uncover what the plot un- by Father Enrico Pucci. I think we're gonna kill Green. <laughs> yep. This is the point where I'm hearing all these references and I'm trying to grasp the story. I swear, I'm trying to grasp the story as you're going through it. But all these references are throwing me off because all I can think is, really, Foo Fighters? Why? <laughs> like, I'll be getting that. I'll be getting that. Part oh seven, <laughs> Steel Ball Run, is actually a re- is a reboot of this series. Um, it is pretty much unrelated to the original six. Uh, part six really kind of ended the story in a very nice way, in my opinion. Um, Steel Ball Run, which is actually my favorite part of all time, mm-hmm. uh, is set in 1890s the United States. The Steel Ball okay. Run is actually a horse race um, from San Diego to New York City. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Joestar, a um, young paraplegic horse jockey, joins the steel ball run with Gyro Zappelli, a Neapolitan executioner who is trying to um, prevent a boy from being executed for a crime he doesn't think uh, – that Gyro thinks he didn't commit. And and so Johnny is trying to learn the secrets of an ability called the spin, which is something exclusive to um, the Zappelli family. Is Johnny strapped to the horse? Uh, so in order to get on the horse, he actually makes like the horse head like like push him up. So like he like okay. So he's sitting on the ground. He does it rodeo style. Then like yeah, the horse comes up behind him and literally uses its head to lift Johnny up onto the saddle. Okay. But Johnny was like like according to the story the youngest boy to ever win the Kentucky Derby. So he he knows how to ride a horse. It's insane because, like, I've ridden horses. Jay has ridden horses. You have to use your legs. It's to have a pair of that's Im- impressive. Then that's impressive. But he oh, wait until race, wait race till you get to the president. The United States, but they uncover a plot um, orchestrated by the president, um, Funny Valentine, which oh, in order no. to gain artifacts of a certain holy power. Um, I don't want to reveal too much about the story, but it's t- um, stands continue to be a presence, um, but they more of sort of supplement the story instead of take center stage. Okay. This is my favorite. As I said, this is my favorite part. It's got my favorite villain, some of my favorite characters. I highly recommend it. Um, some of the other racers include a new version of D- uh, Dio called Diego. Um, mm-hmm. There's also the androgynous hot pants, the Native American sprinter Sandman. Um, the perpetually lucky Poco Loco, um, and the legendary bounty hunter, um, what was his name? Mountain Tim. I remember. Timmy! Then the eighth part, which is the one that's currently being published, uh, is set in 2011 in Morio again, though a slightly different version of Morio. It's a continuation of the Steel Ball Run story. A mysterious young man is found buried in the sands after the 2011 earthquakes that that devastated the coast of Japan in real life. A boy is found, assumed to be around ni- uh, around 19 years old, who is quickly nicknamed Josuke. 
in order as a community, in order to not um, confuse him with part four's Josuke, we call this one Gappy because he has a gap between his two front teeth. Um, so Gappy is uh, adopted into the Higashikata family, which is a wealthy fruit selling family, and, and tries to figure out who he was. But unfortunately, over the course of it, he uncovers a hidden plot un- um, from a mysterious cartel, um, all with their own stands, and um, Gappy, uh, with the help of a college student named Yasuho, they try to figure out what's going on. Uh, they're also joined by the entire Higashikata family, who all have their own stands, as well as the fruit appraiser, Rei Mamazuku. And this is a very – part eight is really the most bizarre part. It's difficult okay. to really explain, like, people eating wasps. Um, okay, can we, can we do a quick pause real quick and uh, just – We'll do a quick ad break. <laughs> Just adding that pause right here. <laughs> and then And then we'll come back to talking about people eating wasps. Sure. Because that sounds yummy. <laughs> I mean it's The hosts at Robots Radio get a lot of questions from people who are interested in starting their own podcasts about how they can start, how they can grow their audiences, how they can create good content, even what microphone to use and what software to use, things like that. Well, we're changing things up at Robots Roundtable to talk and share about the things that we've learned, the things that work and the things that don't. We're sharing with you our actual real-world experience. How can you launch a show like the Fallout Lorecast and get as many listeners as we did early on and rocket to the top of the charts on Apple podcasts. How do you create a show in such a crowded marketplace as it is today, as opposed to 10 years ago, we're getting together every week to share our answers with you. Just look up the podcast professor, a robots round table with the hosts from robots radio. Okay. Here's my first question. Do the wasps still try to sting them as they're going down? Or is this like Danger Man trying to eat scorpions or something like that? Uh, so you see, the villains of Part 8 are raised by wasps. And then they eat them. <laughs> green Lin- green Lin- shut down Lin- at this point. <laughs> okay. I imagine these are not normal wasps that die off every year. No, these are normal wasps. It's like the hive or the whatever. Uh, these so the villains of part eight are not technically human. Uh, I mean, pr- you can probably assume uh, they're actually a special type of. Um, apparently, was it silicon? They're not carbon-based life forms. Uh, in a chapter ninety-nine, I believe they're described as a plan to be in case humanity doesn't work um, by like whatever god might exist. This is the th- these are the people who would survive if humanity were to go away, and they yeah. are they're literally like they're sort of like um, um, parasites who are inadvertently raised by like they're take they're they're born very 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 small they're taken into a wasp nest and they are fed by the wasp until they're big enough to eat the nest. They're known as rock humans. They turn they can turn into rocks. <laughs> Because that's an actual, that's a feature that they needed. Um, 
that just that's just the tip of the iceberg, <laughs> Jojolian. Jojolian is the ongoing part, and I believe uh, if I had to estimate, we're about ten chap ten to twenty chapters away from its finale. We're kind of in like the climax of the story. Things are wrapping up. I am at the point where I'm. I need to be drinking or <laughs> um, and consuming other substances because I feel like. I know that there's probably a way that it all sort of makes sense that it's just turned up to 11 to weave it all together. But it definitely lives up to the Bizarre Adventure title. With So this is a funny story. And so my girlfriend, my our first date was getting drinks. And I spent a good sixth of that date um, doing what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Um, hey, and she still good wanted on you. a second date. Actually, she still wanted good a second on you. date. And you know what the second date was? I made her start the series. <laughs> you know what, though? She's good on you up. for not holding back and just being you. That, yes. <laughs> yes. We're like, we're going to just cut to the chase. Let's see if you're going to stay around. <laughs> that, I, I mean, ba- that's the way to do it. basically it. it. Um, How funny. Okay, so. Oh, yeah, she is in chat. Oh, she's in chat. <laughs> He turned me into a complete weeb. I love you. Megan, <laughs> you are appreciated and very patient. The, I, I just, okay, she, so. She's the one who got me this JoJo shirt that chat can't see me wearing. Nice. That's awesome. Okay, so on the JoJo shirt, do you have each of the different JoJo's? No. Is that what's is the, going on? This is the part five cast. So this is, sucks for audio listeners. Um so the middle one right here, that's Jorno. One with the pink okay. one. That's Jorno. Uh-huh. That's Mista. That's Narancha. Abakio. Bruno. And then Fugo. That was okay. a lot of those. But they're all Italian. Are they so are each grouping or each story cast around the same size? Are you gonna be around six cast members for each one, or at least primary? Or is it gonna fluctuate uh, it, a little it bit? It fluctuates part one, two um and seven have pretty small cast of primary characters okay. um three five uh three four five and six and eight have a have a little bit um bigger cast of main okay. characters so we we kind of did a breakdown of just like the basic story going through all eight that are released currently right yes it's like a really really general overview of that but the with the i've seen a lot of things on the internet because it's kind of a phenomenon right now again Uh within the states that people are like oh my gosh there's these like overarching themes that are like starting to pool together and like what is going on it's like okay so there's a there's a meta story within all the like overarching all these little stories Yes and no. So they kind of va- so it varies um, between. Um, so most of it. So for the first six parts, the original story, is really more related to Dio's influence on the family. Sometimes it's a lot more explicit, like in one, three, and six, where it's like it's Dio pulling the strings, or it's Dio's disciple finishing what Dio started. While right. two, four, and six tend to take a more like these are the consequences of Dio's actions. Um, really, a more over 
if I had to distill the themes of JoJo to one single sentence or one single theme, it's the triumph of the human spirit and the innate goodness of humankind as a, in general. Because um, the whole thing, really, back to Dio, is that he chose to reject his own humanity to become a vampire. And really, it's the triumph of, of the humankind willing to say, no, we're going to do what's right for all people. Because every single protagonist has this relatively innate um, sense of goodness about them. They all want to do the right thing. Some have more interesting ways to get to that. Some are a lot more straightforward. Really, the most morally ambivalent of the JoJo's are probably Giorno from part five and then Johnny from part seven. They are, while one of them is definitely more selfish, one, they're both pretty like ruthless, so to speak. They're willing to um, murder to get what they want. Okay. But all in all is this sense of like, these are good people who want to do good. And really, I think the best exa- – other than Jonathan, I think Josuke from part four is the best one that kind of models that. His stand, Crazy Diamond, has the power to heal people, but it cannot affect himself. It, like, it's like showing how selfless he is because stands are a reflection of one's soul. So Crazy Diamond literally has no benefit to Josuke. It can only benefit others. And that's what's so like inspiring about him as a character, because like, even though he's kind of a te- he's still a teenager and he does he's still like he wants money he wants nice things he's still if put if like when he's put into a corner he will always choose the right course of action. Okay. Yeah, because you get Jonathan's that. Jonathan's just a good boy. Yeah, you get that even with the I think that was the very like one of the very first episodes in the first season is um is I think it's Jonathan getting his just getting destroyed because he's protecting um arena arena yeah and he's like like he's like i'm not doing this for you i'm doing it because i want to be a gentleman and you know and all this like Mm -hmm. upstanding stuff and it was like i was like that's it's extreme like again extremely cheesy but it's extremely like it's it's a really good look into his like especially as the episodes go so far it just like that is the core kind of personality trait that is seems to be his and and his dad too his dad was the one where he like he's like even when he found out that was it uh dario dario tried yeah even though dario stole from him and tried to basically tried to just leave him for dead he basically forgave him and let him and gave him back the ring that he had stolen and he was like just make sure you have an honest life which of course didn't quite didn't quite work out but so does the Dio does Dio also have a stand as a vampire? He, so he acquires a stand in part three, which is when stands are first introduced. Part one and two was only focused as as in terms of power, it was more focused on the vampires and um Hamon as an ability. Kind of key style. Yeah, Hamon's yeah. is kind of like chi and that kind of thing. Um Stands were introduced in part three, and Dio Dio's um, acquiring of the stand is actually what um, started the whole curse thing. Okay. Um, yes, Dio has a stand. Uh, it's called the World, uh, or as he says in the Japanese sub, is Zawado. <laughs> and I don't want to. Rev- I don't want to say what its ability is. 
Okay, so that's what you had mentioned earlier. I was like, I know I, I thought I heard you mention the world, but I couldn't remember if what you had said it could do. So I'll, I'll definitely probably talk about it in the um, advanced, um, advanced session is of what it does. Okay, so you said Dio shows up. Does Dio as a vamp? Does he have progeny? Does he have descendants or people that he's? That's something to say for the advanced session. <laughs> <laughs> The answer does, is yes. The answer okay. is yes. He does, but they are a lot more relevant in speaking of some more spoilers. Okay, so we have this original family line: the the brothers, right? Like the half is a right. half brother. You said? Well, no. So, Dio is an adopted yeah. brother. Dio yeah. is the adopted brother into the Joe Star family. But like the okay, so you had the Joe Star family, and then one family line creates all these Joes of some sort. Joe. Yeah. And it's something I actually find really interesting um, is that the title, the nickname of Jojo is literally fate itself predestining each of these family members into a fight against the supernatural, against Dio or whatever evil they find themselves with. Because when Joestar family members don't have this nickname, they tend to be more neutral or just Ob, sort of like plot related objects okay. it's there's a the ending to part six is at heavily involves this um because um but i don't want to go into that and then dio's got his own line essentially that he's not necessarily this as directly going down as the jojo star family aspect yes Yes, um, Dio has his own progeny, which are um, one of them is a lot more important than the other ones. But they do all known ones like appear as characters in the series. Okay, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like a a Cain and Abel overarching idea. That's actually a really apt comparison. Um, really, a Cain and Abel kind of thing is really what Part One was. Mm-hmm. 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 like yeah you definitely like you get that feeling right from the start with that with the part one um like i will say that there there are some significant differences but as far as like the trope of like the brothers fighting each other that's a hundred percent accurate as to and it's like it's interesting watching oh. the uh oh. interplay between the two brothers and the father figure too mm-hmm absorbing and trying to formulate the next direction because it's it seems like original the writer for the series really wanted to play with different styles and concepts of you have your mystery you have your wild west you have your prohibition-esque kind of feel and i guess in, a little bit after the prohibition with the 30s ish mm-hmm there, yeah, each that's one of the things that I think a lot of people really love about JoJo's is how like it makes genre changes and character additions really integral to the story. While like certain properties, when they introduce characters, it could be hit or miss. Like this character is very interesting. It makes it integral. You're almost like encouraged to really develop your feelings with these characters. Um, part one is gothic horror. It's kind of like Dracula. It's very. I would also describe it as biblical. It's sort mm-hmm. of like this sort of like mythic. Like when I rewatched the series, um, it was very 
a lot more fun watching it the sec the especially part one the second time than it was the first time because knowing where it all goes and seeing being reminded this is where it all began is really sort of like heartwarming i would say part two battle tendency is a kind of this indiana jones swashbuckling film joseph you know travels around the world fighting bad guys taking names Part three is also like a road trip, but Jotaro is kind of like this Clint Eastwood character. He's very – doesn't talk a lot. He – man of action, uh, man with f- – prefers to punch his way out of a situation than talk. Um, part five uh, – sorry, part four is a murder mystery. Part five is a mafia drama. Part six is a prison break. Seven's a horse race. Eight is a sort of like a Twin Peaks kind of deal. Not cool. It, less murder mystery, more like mystery mystery. It's almost Scooby Doo esque, but way almost as silly, but way less <laughs> childish. <laughs> Just as silly, way less childish. That's a good one. Part eight is Scooby Doo. Warn listeners. <laughs> sent me a link to this one second from every episode of JoJo. Did I send you that? I'm pretty, I thought I did. Like, did someone else do it? Look, you suggested I look at it, and I watched this thing, <laughs> and I was stunned. Um, it's hard to catch any like the thing that stood out to me, and I mentioned it to you in the when we were talking about it is that they take a lot of obviously pop culture references with all the different stands having names of bands specifically and the music being tied in. We had talked about that a little bit in our private conversation, but also that they really pay homage to a lot of other anime as well. And you had mentioned that that is a common thing within quite a few animes is that they not necessarily steal from each other, but they take similar. There's a really, there's actually, I'm going to pull one episode from part three or one story small like stand battle from part three that's a very interesting one that i think is um relevant is the stand battle of death 13 so death 13 is one of the tarot card based stands and what it is is a death 13 is just freddy krueger from nightmare on elm street it Uh just it kills people in your dreams that's its whole thing Uh and the issue is that the wielder is a baby an extremely intelligent baby Okay. But it's a baby, probably not even maybe one year old, and this incredibly intelligent child who is called a mannish boy um, has the who is basically hired by Dio to kill the protagonist, and his and so there's this sort of like ethical thing, like um, the only one who's aware of what's going on is Kakuin, who is the long range rock shooting stand Hierophant Green. He's the only where he, he keeps waking up with these nightmares and he's like because something's trying to kill him in his dreams and he doesn't know what and it all started when they got close to this baby, but you can't remember your dream when you wake up, so he he's just waking up terrified and can't tell anybody. He just like he doesn't remember what's going on. Uh-huh. And so this is whole issue of like and then Kakuin figures this out, like it's the baby who has the stand. And so what do we do? Because no one else, everyone else thinks Kakuin's crazy. Oh, jeez. Okay. It reminds me of Supernatural and Buffy a little bit with this kind of field too. Because you have kind of, is it like a, like not necessarily a monster of the week, but like each episode you've got kind of a different thing going on, but it's still mm. really, really crazy going on in it. Part three is definitely the most 
this one that one tends to drag the most because it is very much a monster of the week style formula where like oh you know Jotaro and the others are now in Pakistan and oh what's going on this spooky hotel uh, it might be an enemy stand and then next thing you know they're in the Arabian desert and oh no what's going on it might be an enemy stand and so part th- that's what really all of them starting with part three did. But mm-hmm. part three definitely has has the most pacing issues, in my opinion. Part four tends to do deal with this a lot better because it is set in a singular town. And so it, it's like a, you never know about the person living five doors down. Right. And so like and then you come across this these strange set of like circumstances and then like, oh, something's going on. Something's not right. And then you figure out like, oh, this is the stand. This is what it's doing and how they're trying to defeat it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And All what's right. really great about part four is n- very few people die in part four. Like, oh. the whole thing is like, these are just normal people right? <laughs> who are just mm. all doing their own thing. Do you, uh, is it common that characters, like main characters, are killed off pretty quickly? Or Let me put it this way. All your favorites are going to die. <laughs> okay. So a little bit George R. R. Martin. That's fine. It's it, it's very, yes, it's very Song of Ice and Fire-like in that manner. Uh, but what's really, what I think is one of its strongest, it, it's never death just for the sake of the death. It's not just for the sake of the shock value. There's always a bigger theme going on with it. There's something always a lot more sad than just, boom, characters dead. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some very, now it's a bit, bit more pedantic i would say in parts one and two and probably three but i think five and six deal with this a whole lot better okay and seven it's just like like death is always a threat in jojo's and that's something like that i really like about it is that no one feels safe and that ups the stakes better than i think other shows do okay cool all right so i'd like to actually I think we're at a good place to just cut the intro session and I really want to, I want to just know about these stand things. Like (laughs) I want to know if there's a macaroni stand or she just really wants to know is the money, is the money in the banana stand or (laughs) a hot dog stand? There are some money stands. stands. I can name two right now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. Let's, Let's go ahead and wrap up this session and then we can jump into the advanced session because I want to know about these things. Cause this, I like the, the overarching of the family and how the story is written and how it's different in each different arc, but the concept of the stands, and I know it kind of goes, comes and goes depending on which story you're in. That is a fun little, fun little magic like system that I want to really get into. It's something that I really like about this series. This is one of the thousand of things that I like about this show is that power stands in terms of a power system Mm -hmm. is way more flexible than something like Naruto or Dragon Ball does where it's like people are constantly gaining power at at a certain point. You're just like, whatever Mm -hmm. stands stand. What I love about stands is every single stand, no matter how powerful it is, has a weakness. There is Mm -hmm. an exploitation to it. Uh, I'll get more in depth with it, but like even some of the most powerful stands in the series, like star platinum, they have drawbacks. And like, there are things that Jotaro cannot do with his stand. And that makes him like, he, it, it makes the teams like the, 
JoJo's and their Joe Bros, they make a better team because like while one stand may not be able to do stuff very far, there's always a, a, a good stand that can go more further away. Yeah. And it's so, a deck building game. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very deck building s, and that's and that's what I really like about the one of the thousand things that I love about the series. I like it. I like it. Well, blue. Should we start doing shoutouts and whatnot? Yeah, let's do let's do shoutouts real quick. Um, Neo, do you have any shoutouts for us for this this session? Uh, I'll shout out to Megan for showing people my shirt in the chat. Nice. Yeah. And and for just sticking around because yep, we we appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna shout out to you for being brave to be yourself on a first date. That's, uh, that's I, spent, I spent another six only talking destiny. So. <laughs> like I said, being yourself super important. <laughs> Tips to anybody who wants to be on a date and have a relationship that's worthwhile: be yourself on the first date. Don't be somebody else yeah, because be, if you yeah. are and the dates go on, then you're gonna have to keep being that somebody else. <laughs> Blue. Yep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, um, just real quick, a big shout out to everyone who has stayed sane this past week. Um, yeah. That's, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I know like a couple people, I, I think there is something going on in politics, but what I was really talking about is the upcoming console release. You know, it's very, very <laughs> stressful time. Um, yeah. Everybody's looking at their uh, delivery dates and their mm-hmm. times and. I get it. It comes soon enough. I know everyone's having to learn how to count. I know. I hear that's a really difficult thing to figure out right now. Um, Microsoft is having a big issue with that. I'll tell you that. God, yeah. Uh, but um, <laughs> no, dude, seriously. Th- thank you for everyone for just being civil. You know, like I know there's been a lot of raised tensions this past week, and I appreciate. I don't know. Maybe it's because I've muted ninety percent of my timeline, but it seems very nice outside. So, um. <laughs> It's as somebody who hasn't muted, it actually <laughs> has been. And the ones I want to actually make a shout out and an, uh, a kind of announcement at the end of this with the how the fact that we have renamed the server, the yeah. Discord server. Uh-huh. We are we are now because of we're joined with the Guardians of Lore. We are now Lore Hub for all your Lore Hub needs. And just a shout out to our server. Everyone in there did a really good job of just we're not going to we're not going to discuss politics like no one's mm-hmm. trashing anybody. Everyone's being really civil. Everyone's excited because of the uh, the ARG that dropped on <gasps> Thursday like that. I mean, there's a lot of really, really good things happening right now that with as dark as everything has been and how intensely tense it has been it's a refreshing thing to have a place to be able to go that you know that they're not going to you're not going to get attacked you're not going to attack anybody else everyone's going to respect each other and that's a good thing yes also thank you for giving me an excuse to troll everybody by giving me an option to put that as the logo i've gotten so many messages with people who are like well now i'm afraid to open discord in in public spaces you're welcome. Um, it's that bad. You know, there's, a, no. there's a certain drum and bass combo that might <laughs> Oh my be gosh. Very I've been trying to figure out how to put that in there. It's <laughs> I think. Yeah, I've got an idea for that. We can figure it out. 
we could figure it out. Oh, 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 man. So anyways, thank you for your time. And until next time, remember, with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, stand proud, and keep exploring. Was that a JoJo's reference? With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright. You've been listening to a Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.